good to be with you. Uh, for those of you who are new, I've, I've talked to a couple new people, and I just want to say that I'm really glad that you're here, and I recognize that not everybody in the room is a follower of Jesus. And so if you're new, or maybe you're even new to faith or new to Jesus, uh, so 710 exists. Uh, first and foremost, we believe that uh, we are a family. Uh, and it's not like one of those things where like, we're a family. And it's like, no, we really believe that like we are part of the family of God and that we are a small expression of that to the world. And we are a family that's committed to three things. We're, uh, we're committed to following Jesus. Uh, everything that we do here, everything that we're about in this room and outside of this world, it's like we just want to know Jesus and we just want to follow him. And we, we believe that we equip each other, that we support each other. Uh, so we're a family that's committed to serving one another. So our small groups that uh, Kendrick talked about, those are like environments where we just come together. Like, hey, we're all trying to follow Jesus here. How can we use our gifts? How can we serve one another in this way? And uh, yeah, it's just something beautiful. And then lastly, like we are committed as a family to living kingdom lives out in the world because we want our city to experience Jesus. We want our coworkers to experience Jesus. We want our neighbors to experience Jesus. And that's not just by what we proclaim, but it's uh, actually seeing Jesus is seen as in our like lived lives. Uh, so that's what we're about. So we're kind of teaching through our sermon series, uh, excuse me, our mission statement this year. Um, and so we're in a series right now called Family, uh, showing the world God's design for life together. And uh, I just want to give you a kind of a quick overview about where we've been and kind of where we're going in this series. So we've already had two messages. Uh, the first one that we talked about is that, uh, like, we just kind of asked the question, like, what, like, what is the family of God? And uh, you can go back and listen, in, listen to these messages online, but uh, we just pretty much answered answer the question by saying, like, we are a community uh, that has been renewed by Jesus Christ. And we're called to live like this renewed, beautiful life together on the stage of the world as we await a whole world that will be renewed when Jesus comes to make all things new. And then the, la the last kind of three messages of this series is all about like life within the family of God. So if we're supposed to show the world God's design for life together, uh, then we need to talk about what life within the family actually looks like. And so last kind of time I talked, we talked about that the family of God, that we're supposed to have a culture of love. That we're committed to being with one another, for one another, unto kingdom realities in each other's lives. Uh, tonight we're going to be talking about uh, like our culture. We need to have a culture of grace. Um, and we need to have like, if you guys have been a part of a family for any part of time, you know that family's messy. And in order to exist with each other, there needs to be a culture of grace because we're different from one another. Like Jesus intentionally picked people to follow him that would not want to be in the same room with each other. But because of the gospel and because of the good news of Jesus, we are all united around him, so we need to be gracious with each other. And the next week, before the retreat, uh, we're going to talk about being a culture of contribution, that we all contribute to the good of the whole family. Uh, we're not just consumers that come and take from the family, but like God has given us a very specific role, each and every one of us, to contribute to that whole uh, beautiful, messy, good family. So does that sound good? That's where we're going tonight. Let's, uh, let's pray, and then we'll get into tonight's topic. Uh, Lord, uh, we love you. And uh, God, I just confess that uh, today I was uh, wrestling with a restless heart. And uh, God, I just woke up with some things that were heavy, uh, things that were frustrating me. And Lord, I just, even right now, I just need to be recentered in who you are. Um, God, I pray for every single person in the room tonight. God, you know their story, you know, you know their hurts, you know their pains, you know 
the joys that they're going through. And I just pray, Lord, that you, uh, just you say that you call each of your sheep by name. And so, God, I pray that, uh, Lord, your sheep in the room tonight, I pray that they would hear your name or hear, their, hear you call their name. Uh, Jesus, we want to be taught by you. And we really, I really want people to experience your goodness within this family right here. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would fill us, Holy Spirit, with your love. God, fill us with your grace. Draw our hearts to Jesus, and Jesus, be glorified in us. We love you. Amen. All right. So I think we all have this experience. Uh, have you ever noticed in life, the closer you get to somebody, the more you get hurt by them? And have you also noticed that the closer that you get to somebody, get to somebody the more that you actually hurt them? Like, I feel like in, in my marriage, uh, there is nobody that has hurt me more than my wife, and there's nobody that I've hurt more than my wife because we're in so close a proximity with each other. You guys know this to be true in your life? And, and, and the point I'm trying to make here is that whenever you enter a family, you enter a mess. And it, it doesn't matter, like, I mean, some of us have different kind of levels of what we'd call, like, dysfunctional families. But at every single, like, at every single family and every single place, we kind of realize, like, this thing's kind of dysfunctional a little bit. And I think some of the worst ways and some of the most embarrassing ways that I've actually hurt people has been in the context of family. I remember, um, like, within the, this church family, there was one time where I was, like, uh, really trying to, like, help somebody through a situation. There was kind of, like, broken th- brokenness in this uh, community in a specific area. And I remember I was, like, just, like, trying. I got asked to come in, and I just tried to come and help. And then somebody looked at me and goes, are you even a pastor? Just, like, completely discredited me and, like, everything in, like, that second. I was, like, all right, I don't need to defend myself. But, like, completely tried to, like, discredit me. Uh, I remember being a part of, like, this family, and I was walking with somebody, like, legitimately, like, every week for, like, a year. Like, poured my time into them, poured my energy into them, and then all of a sudden just, like, started ghosting me, and then gone. So, like, a year of walking with somebody, and then just, like, bit me on the way out. I've seen, like, being a part of uh, this family, you guys know this to be true. Have you ever had somebody hurt somebody you love? And you kind of like, one of the things that I started to realize is people can hurt me, but as soon as you hurt somebody I love, then I get real mad. You know, so I, I, I remember being a part of this family, and then I remember somebody said something to my wife, and it just was like complete, like so rude. And then the way that they treated her, and then I was just like, all right, Lord. Like I remember one night he woke me up at like 3 in the morning. He's like, you got to deal with this thing. Some of you, um, in your experience, like, uh, you can relate with. Have you ever said something that you wish you never said? I remember multiple times after, like, my small group. I love my small group. But I've had to come to them and be like, okay, I pull somebody aside after and be like, I said, that was really stupid. I have no idea why I said that. But I had to, like, reconcile relationships. There's people that have come up to me after group and be like, hey, I'm so sorry I treated you that way. Um, I remember, like, Ray, Kendrick, and Abel. There was, like, we had, like, a little heated conversation probably, like, a month and a half ago. And I said something that, like, I was just like, why did I say that? And I didn't even realize I said it. And Kendrick, like, FaceTimed me after, uh, after uh, we had that conversation the next day. He's like, dude, when, I, like, when you said that thing to me and, like, to us, it really made me feel like you thought we were dumb. And it just really hurt. And it made me feel like, uh, made us feel like you didn't trust us. <clears throat> and I just kind of look back over and over and over and I go, being a part of a family is messy. And you hurt people, and you get hurt. 
And some of you have walked in this room. You've been really hurt by church, the church family. Some of you aren't quite close enough to the family of God to be hurt. But we all have this experience that family is hard. And the reason I say that is because sometimes I don't think we expect the family of God to be messy. Like if there's one place where it shouldn't be, the family of God should be the place that it's not messy. But scripture does not uh, actually think that. God actually warns us about the mess of uh, his family. In Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 3, uh, the Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, a prisoner for serving the Lord, I beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling for you have been called by God. So again, this is like the family of God is supposed to show the world God's designed for life together. So he's like, live a life that's worthy of that calling. Verse 2, always be humble and gentle. Why? And then he says, be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. So the Apostle Paul, he, he gathers this church community, and he gets them all together. And one of the first things that he tells them is like, listen, be humble, be gentle, and be patient, because you're going to have to make allowance for each other's faults, because you're all about to start, like, sinning against each other real bad. Because the church, it's full of different people, but it's also full of broken people. And Jesus is reaching different people, and he's reaching broken people, and he's bringing them into one like tight space called the family of God at your local church. And he's restoring all these people into uh, human beings that are made in the image of God. And that's one really big, messy family. And so one of the things that we're going to have to learn uh, with each other is that as we move forward, uh, we need a culture of grace. Does that make sense? Yes, sounds good. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about forgiveness and uh, and real quick, I just want to pray something over us one more time, and then we're going to jump into this. Lord, I just really quick, I just want to pray that you would bring people to our minds, God, that have hurt us, uh, Lord, so that we would begin healing and reflecting your love to them. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, before we talk about forgiveness, uh, I want to, like, I feel like sometimes before we listen to a message like this, we need to, like, reflect on, like, what are some indicators in our heart that show that we're struggling to forgive people. So I have kind of like five indicators. So just listen to this and see who kind of comes to mind. Uh, one of the first indicators of unforgiveness in our hearts is that when you think of someone or hear their name, anger arises in your heart. You guys ever had that where like somebody just says somebody's name and then just like, you just get angry, right? So like, I feel like there's like probably like two people like this in my life. Like if you say their name, like there's just like this fleshly reaction of anger in my heart. So that can be an indicator of unforgiveness. Uh, another one could be uh, you avoid someone because of a past experience or hurt. Um, like so like somebody like treated you poorly in the past. So like you like, hey, I don't really have unforgiveness towards this person. I just avoid them now. Like, I actually have had, like, multiple conversations with Seven Tenors, like, no, yeah, like, we had kind of some stuff in the past, we just don't talk anymore. And then we just, like, we kind of, like, sweep it under the rug. But, like, when you can't relate to the person the same way, or you kind of, like, put distance, like, sin divides, um, and you start trying to avoid them, that's an indicator of unforgiveness is kind of, like, in your heart needing to be dealt with. Another thing might be, uh, oh, this is a good one, getting pleasure or joy out of someone else's downfall. Or imagining it. Have you guys ever like, I feel like when I catch myself in this, it's like I'm sitting like praying and I'm praying for somebody. And all of a sudden like my mind just like starts to drift and I just start imagining the downfall 
of this person. And I, I start, like, kind of replaying, like, the things that they said to me. And you kind of, like, imagine proving them wrong, you know? Kind of imagining, like, oh, man, like, I just, like, and some of you are, like, way more blunt about it. You're like, yeah, I wish, like, something bad would happen to them, right? Like, <laughs> like yeah, that's, like, that's an actual experience. Like, we all actually struggle with that. It's an indicator of unforgiveness in our heart. Um, here's another one. Withholding love or blessing from someone because of something in the past. Like, you know, like, you're called to bless them. But, like, you actually, like, and I don't, I don't necessarily know what that would be, but you kind of withhold something from somebody uh, because of a past hurt they've given you. And the last thing I'll say here is, uh, and this one, this one gets me a lot. You keep bringing up someone's failures in your mind or to them or to others. Like, have you ever, like, had somebody, like, no, I forgave them, but they just, like, can't stop talking about how, they, how they've been hurt? Or, like, maybe in your own heart, like, you're like, I've forgiven them, but you can't stop, like, bringing up their failure in your head. Or you can't stop, like, oh, no, I've forgiven them, but brother or sister, let me pray with you, you know. Like, they, like, you just, like, retell, like, this person's failure to you, like, to them. Let me ask you a question. Who comes to mind, like, for you when I say these things? Who comes to mind for you? Because whoever comes to mind for you whether it be the smallest thing, the smallest sin, or the biggest sin, ways you've been hurt, those are the people that Jesus wants, to li- wants you to listen to the rest of this message for. Does that make sense? So let's, let's go. All right, so why do we forgive? Uh, I feel like, like if you talk about like in culture or in the world, we all know that forgiveness is something that's good. But I would even say now in culture, there's kind of like this cancel culture going on right now. So it's like we'll forgive you kind of. But like... This unmerited, like, free forgiveness of Christ, like, that's, like, kind of slowly becoming, like, it's less popular. But generally speaking, our world will say forgiveness uh, is a good thing. But the question is, why does God want us to forgive? And a really quick answer, and if you're an unbeliever, this is something I want to pose to you. There's a quote by Vanitha Rendell Risner in, in her article on unforgiveness or on forgiveness. She says this. She goes, we cannot hold onto bitterness, and hold on to God. Forgiving those who have hurt us sets us free. It keeps bitterness from taking root, bitterness that would defile us and everyone around us. And I love this. Joy and sorrow often, can, often coexist, but joy and bitterness cannot. I love that. Why does God ask us, for to, uh, why does God ask us to forgive? Because he, he knows, and you guys have experienced it in any given moment, when you're, when you're like really bitter towards somebody, are you like clinging on to God in that moment? I'm not. And when you cling on to God, often the bitterness starts to diminish. And so what scripture offers you and what Christ has offered us in the gospel is that he's really just asking us, forgiveness isn't just like, do you want to forgive or not? It's do you want to be a prisoner or not? Do you want to be a prisoner to bitterness, or do you want freedom, like, to release them from the hurt, from the hurt they've given you, and to release yourself from the, like, living a bitter life is just miserable. And so the gospel offers us freedom from that. And so here's what I want to do with the rest of the time. Uh, I just want to do three things. One, I want to, I want to ask, what is Christian forgiveness? Because there's worldly forgiveness, but we want to know what is Christian forgiveness as followers of Jesus. 
I want to share, share with you a story about forgiveness from Jesus. So like when like his disciples, his followers ask him about forgiveness, Jesus shares a story to illustrate this point. And then lastly, I think this is where we all just want to get to. It's like, how do I actually forgive others? Like I want to, but my heart just won't get there. Like how do I actually like get there? So let's, uh, let's unpack that. What is Christian forgiveness? So Christian forgiveness uh, starts with Jesus, of course. Colossians 3.13 says this. Very similar words, but a different uh, kind of version. Make allowance for each other's faults. That means, hey, like, guys, like within this room, within the family of God, leave room for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. And then right here, remember and this is like, you have to set your mind on it. You have to remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. So the first thing that we learn about forgiveness is that, one, uh, forgiveness is a choice. So uh, if you want to, like, define Christian forgiveness, Christian forgiveness is a decision and a choice to give others what God in Christ has already given you, regardless of how you feel. So forgiveness being a choice, let me say it one more time. Christian forgiveness is a decision. Notice this is apart from feelings. It's a decision and a choice to give others what God in Christ has already given you, regardless of how you feel. Sometimes I think that people think this is like saying like, hey, when I like, have you ever like, okay, when, uh, when I've like sinned against somebody and I ask for forgiveness, sometimes like a response, and you may have heard this, it's like, it doesn't matter, right? Or like, you know, you tell somebody when they ask for forgiveness. Well, it doesn't matter. That's not, that's not what Scripture actually teaches. Scripture teaches that, like, sin does matter. So, like, hey, what you did, like, it hurt me, and I'm mad, and I'm, like, pissed off at you, and I'm really having a hard time getting over how I feel about you because it hurts. But I'm making a decision not to hold that sin over your head. Because that's what Christ has done for me. And that's how Christ is treating me right now. So it's saying, one, listen, I'm going to decide, like, okay, let's say, like, when I hurt Kendrick. He had to make a decision, like, all right, like, no matter what now, if I'm going to forgive Corey, I'm going to make a decision not to treat him differently because of what happened. I'm not going to hold it over his head. I'm not going to bring it up to him, even when I'm mad and even in moments when like, even when it feels insincere, like, I'm really mad at you, like, I'm going to choose to not hold this over your head because that's how Christ has treated me. So forgiveness is a decision. The second thing that we see, uh, and I think this is where it frees us up a little bit, is that forgiveness is a decision, but forgiveness is also a process. So as forgiveness is a decision not to hold somebody's failure over their head, but it's also a process. If you want to read this, Christian forgiveness, it's a commitment to the process of healing with God and with other mature believers from the hurt and pain other people have caused you. One of the illustrations that I was kind of think of, that I was thinking of when I was thinking of this is like, when somebody like sins against you, it leaves an open sore on your heart. Have you kind of like had that experience? Like it just hurts. And even in small things, like it leaves an open like sore on your heart. And listen guys, sores take time to heal. So if you're struggling and you haven't healed from, like, and, and especially, especially the level of impact somebody has hurt you will actually take how much longer it takes to heal. Like, if somebody's impact, like, the way they hurt you was this small, it might take a day to get over, a week to get over. But some of you, let's just be honest, you've been hurt real bad by people. 
you've been hurt really bad, and your sore is a lot bigger. It's a lot deeper. But Christian forgiveness says, listen, there is a sore in my heart, but I'm going to commit to the process of healing with God and with other mature believers towards you. Does that make sense? So that's what Christian forgiveness is. Now let's talk about uh, a story that Jesus gave to kind of illustrate this point of uh, forgiveness even more. Um, And this is really a a funny story because Peter, who's one of Jesus' best friends, closest disciples, he comes up to Jesus, and in Matthew 18, verse 21, he says this, uh, Then Peter came to him, that is Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Now, I just want to pause for a second. Jewish, uh, like, teachers of the day taught that you only had to forgive somebody three times. And then you could just kind of, like, not forgive them anymore after that. So Peter, like, thinks he's, like, pretty special here. He's like, Jesus. He's like, you know, the word out on the street is three times. But how many should I forgive? Like, you know, you seem generous. Like, maybe seven times? And Jesus responds to him, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 77 times. And then Jesus goes on to kind of illustrate this point. And what he's trying to do, he's like, he's, he's Peter, um, I want to show you what unforgiveness looks like from God's perspective. And so he tells this story, and track with me. There's a few verses, but it's a very interesting story. So he goes, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. So there's this king, these servants had borrowed money from him. But in the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. In other words, he could never pay back this debt. It was just way too much. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owed to pay the debt. Verse 26, but the man fell down before his master and begged him. He goes, please be patient with me and I promise I will pay it all. Even though there's no way he could actually pay it. Verse 27, then his master was filled with pity for him. Uh, That word can also be like compassion. Like the king was just like, man, I just have so much compassion by how much debt he's in. And so he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who, who owed him a few thousand dollars. So, right, so the servant now has a servant, and he only owes him a few thousand. And then he grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. You start to, like, feel the injustice of the situation? Verse 29, his fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, and I will pay it, he, he pleaded. The same request the other servant asked the king. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset, understandably so. They went to the king and told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in a man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. He's like, listen, you had a debt you couldn't pay. And you pleaded with me, and I forgave you the debt. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant, just as I had mercy on you when they had the smaller debt? Then the the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And here's the sobering words of Jesus. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. A sobering story. 
So Peter comes to Jesus. He's like, Rabbi, teacher, how much do I have to forgive people? And Jesus turns the story back on him. And here's the gist that, that Jesus is saying that we just really need to humbly reflect on. Jesus is saying, every time, every time you accuse someone else, you automatically accuse yourself. Every single time my heart wants to accuse a brother or sister for sinning against me, Jesus is saying, from God's perspective, you are accusing yourself because you have a bigger debt that God has canceled for you. And if you can't give that to others, you automatically condemn yourself. And the positive side of that is that, is that Jesus is saying, every time you forgive someone, you actually like pass on a drop of water out of the bucket full that God has already given you. And so what Jesus is like asking us and what he's showing us by saying like he had a million dollar debt, he's trying to show you that you, like guys, we have had, each and every one of us, we have a debt that we could not pay. And Jesus wants to reflect on you that God has so graciously given you that. Like some of you like walking in the room tonight, like I, I just, one of the, my prayers for you is just like, God, I pray that you would just like show me how big my pile is. Like, show me how big my pile of debt was. Because once I recognize that that has been cleared, that will free me to then give it to somebody else. And when you give somebody else forgiveness, you give somebody a drop of water, a small drop of water, even at the biggest offenses, out of the bucket full that God has already given you. Now, let me deal with one other thing. Why does Jesus say that if we refuse to forgive, he won't forgive us? Like that, like, are we, like, is Jesus saying, like, we have to, like, work for our salvation? Like, there's terms to his salvation? I think there's a quote that kind of captured this well. Uh, N.T. Wright, he's uh, when reflecting on this passage. He says this. He goes, your heart is either open or closed. If it's open, able and willing to forgive others, it will also be open to receive God's love and forgiveness. But if it's locked up to the one, it will be locked up to the, to the other. So what Jesus is saying here is, it's not just saying, like, hey, so you don't want to forgive others? I won't forgive you. It's not that. What he's saying is, listen, if you've, like, truly received, and I'm not just saying, like, oh, yeah, Jesus forgave me. Like, if you've truly, like, received and been moved by the grace of God, that door that's open to receive that will also be open to give it to others. It does not mean that it will be hard. Or that it will be, e it does not mean that it will be easy, but it does mean that the door is open. So if you're unable to give forgiveness to others, like if you're just at the end of the day an unforgiving person and you can't give forgiveness, what Jesus would tell you is that your heart actually hasn't been transformed and the door actually hasn't been opened to receive his love. Does that make sense? All right. All right, let's, uh, let's end here. How, uh, how do we forgive others? Like, this is the thing that I really wrestled with, just like, all right, like, I want to forgive, like, I, like, I am committed to following Jesus, like, I don't want to be a prisoner to bitterness, I want to be freed to walk in the ways of Jesus, I want a life of forgiveness, I want to, like, not carry that burden, but how do I do it? So step one, the, step, the first step to forgiving others is to admit that you can't forgive others. I think so often as Christians, we just try to muster up the strength to obey, and we don't come to our knees and go, Lord, I can't. I feel like the older and the, like, the harder I'm trying to follow after Jesus, the more and more 
I'm realizing that the more mature I get, like, the more, like, deeper I get into my walk, I start to realize, like, the less I can actually do myself. And then when Jesus says, listen, apart from me, like, apart from being connected to me, the source of life and the source of power, you can't forgive others. And so what Jesus wants us to do, like, this unforgiving spirit He's saying, listen, you got to bring it to the throne of grace and just go, Lord, I can't do it. I can't do it without you. Step one, admit that you can't. Uh, Step two, um, we need to prayerfully meditate on the forgiveness you've received from God. I think so often, like, when we've been hurt, we just try to, like, offer, like, kind of, like, cheap forgiveness, you know, just like, all right, like, I'm just going to, like, try to quickly do it. Uh, But I think what, like, the story that Jesus kind of, like, shared Like, what he's really, like, trying to get at in the story, what he's trying to get Peter to, like, really think about is he goes, listen, like, you need to take a second. You need to go on a walk. And you just need to, like, reflect for, like, an hour of, like, how big of a pile of garbage that God has so freely cleansed you of. That he's saying, listen, like, yeah, you were in debt. And yeah, you were in darkness. And yeah, you don't deserve it. But in my grace and in my love, because I'm a God who comes after people, I'm the hound of heaven, I sent my son for the sacrifice of your sins, and I've cleansed you. And so for me, like, actually, the last two days, believe it or not, I feel like I've struggled with, like, the most bitterness towards people. Like, there's something going on in my life right now that's just, like, so flipping hard. Um, like within like three days ago, like I just heard news of something and just, I can't share with you, maybe in a year or so I can share the God story, but it's just been like super hard if I'm going to be honest. And there's a person that I love really deeply and they're just like hurting me super bad and they're they're hurting people I love super bad. And one of the things that the only thing, like it started off for me with like anger. Like I was just like angry all the time. Then I was just annoyed. And then it just moved into like, I'm just sad. I'm sad that my heart's having a hard time. I'm sad for this person. And the only thing that's kind of, like, kept me going through this is just, like, just stop and go, like, all right, Lord, like, I remember what I was like in high school. I do. And I remember, I remember, like, some of those things that I did in college. And honestly, Lord, like, I remember, like, I know the pride that's in my heart today. Like, I know the self-righteousness that can come out of me to think that I'm better than others. Lord, like, nobody else sees that, but you see it. And, Lord, like, I know you see when I'm grumbling in my heart when I have to serve so-and-so. God, I know, like, all, like, you know what I'm saying? And when I really sit and I just go, like, man, and I, like, kind of prayerfully, like, think about that and meditate on it, I go, all right, I can take a step towards this person in forgiveness. Because I first start by looking at my pile before I go and address their small one. So we admit that we can't, we prayerfully meditate on the forgiveness that we've received from God. And then step three, this is where it gets the hardest, but it's the most liberating. Step three, you go out of your way to love, bless, and pray for those who have hurt you. Uh, Luke 6, 27 through 28, one of Jesus' teachings on love, he says this, he goes, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Notice Jesus doesn't say, Jesus doesn't say, just tolerate your enemies. 
Have you ever, like, have you ever, like, kind of noticed, like, forgiveness in, like, like, maybe in, in your family or for you has just been like, all right, I'll just tolerate them now. Like, I'm definitely not going to be friends, but I can tolerate being in their presence, but it can't be for very long. And what Jesus says is, like, if you actually want to show the world a way that's actually different to live, and I would say Jesus says this, because if you actually want your heart to change, you actually have to put, like, your physical body in the place that you want your heart to be. And so Jesus says, I, listen, I don't want you to tolerate them. I want you to love your enemies. I want you to, like, to do good to them. This is like pursuing language. I want you to bless them when they hurt you. I want, when they mistreat you, I want you to pray for them. And the, the image that I get and the image that we've kind of been talking a, lot, a, a whole lot uh, around here is uh, Judas Iscariot. I just want you to think about this for a second. Judas is one of Jesus' followers. Jesus walked with him for three years. Jesus, like, ate with Judas. He served Judas. He had, a, like, a friendship with Judas. And then Judas betrays Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And how does Jesus, how does Jesus love him? He starts washing his feet. He takes the, the, the slave position and washes his feet. Here's the point. Who are the Judases in your life? And if you actually want your heart towards them to change... You have to start washing their feet. If you expect your heart to change some, if you expect your heart to change towards somebody who's hurt you, and you're unwilling to bless them and serve them, your heart won't change towards them. One of the things that I've had to do, I actually did it today. There was somebody who was just like, I was honestly, I was just really struggling with. And so before I, I taught this message, I was like, all right, Lord, like I'm about to teach a message on this. And I just stopped and I just started praying for them. And what I was tempted to do was, like, God, I pray that you would convict them of their sin, right? Like, you know, you start praying. But, like, no, I was like, God, I pray that you would bless them. Thank you for them. And I, like, as soon as I started, like, verbalizing that to the Lord, my heart started to change. And then what you do is you start, like, how can I serve them? How can I bless them? How can I pray for them? See, Jesus wants to show us that when Christ died on the cross, he took on the hurt and pain that we caused him to cancel our debt when we didn't deserve it. So when we forgive others, we take on the hurt and pain others have caused us in order to set them free when they don't deserve it. When we forgive in this way, love, bless, and pray for those who have persecuted us, we actually start to imitate Christ to the world. And that's when our witness actually becomes beautiful. All right, the last step. Step four, uh, so you admit that you can't, you meditate on the forgiveness that you've received, you love, bless, and pray for those who have hurt you. And the step four is you leave the rest to God. This is, this is the thing we don't normally talk about in forgiveness messages, uh, but it's actually the most freeing part. Uh, Romans 12, 19 through 20 says this, Beloved, this is the Apostle Paul, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. In other words, let God do his job. Verse 20, to the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will, hurt, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now listen, our reaction, like our heart reaction towards like hurt that we've experienced is actually because deep down we want justice. Meaning, like, who is, like if I don't forgive this person, like if I forgive this person, like who's actually going to make it right? 
And so what we're really asking is, who's going to make right this wrong? And so one of the things that Jesus tells us, he goes, listen, he goes, I'm not just asking you to forgive others just because. He goes, I'm asking you to forgive others because I don't want you to do my job, because I'm going to do my job better than you'll do my job. I was, I was having another conversation with uh, one of you probably a month ago, and honestly, like, this person was just talking to me, and they were talking about their home life, and they were just talking about how their dad is just, like, from the youngest age. Like, I just hear these stories, and I'm like, how in the world did you make it out of that? Like, your dad's hurt you. Like, there's things he says that are just, like, mean. There's things that he hasn't done that I feel like a dad should do. And he's just talking, and, I'm j- and he's just like, I've done so many things. I've really tried to, like, make this right. And it's just like, I just, I don't know what to do. And I really felt like the only thing that I could tell him was just, listen, like, Jesus promises us that, like, there will not be anything that was done that was a sin that was wrong that God will not ultimately in the end deal with. And this is, this, some of you have been hurt really bad. Like, some of you have been hurt really bad, and you don't want somebody to get off the hook. And what, what Paul is saying here is, like, nobody gets off the hook before God. God will either judge the person who's offended you. Like Jesus says that we'll like have to give an account for every careless word that we say. So every careless thing that's been done against you, Scripture teaches that God at the final judgment day where he, sh- sh- like where he separates his people from the people of the world. And he goes, listen, everything that my people have done was judged on the cross. Jesus will take their judgment upon himself. And everybody else who has not submitted to the reign of Jesus, you will have to face the condemnation and the judgment that God has towards sin. And so Jesus really frees us up here. Listen, you don't have to like figure out, like you don't have to be the judge. I'm gonna deal with it all. And some of you, you really need to hear that. And you need to like rest in the fact that God loves you. He cares about you. He sees the way that you've been hurt and he's gonna deal with it. He's either going to receive the judgment himself or he will give it to the person that has hurt you. So those are the four steps of forgiveness. We admit that we can't. We meditate on the forgiveness that God has given us. We love and we bless and we pray in service for those who are our enemies. And then we leave the rest to God going, God, I trust you. You are good. Your judgments are right. And we go and we love people. Make sense? All right, here's how we're going to end here. I have, a, I have a live it out challenge. We don't want to be hearers of the word only, but we want to be doers of the word. So uh, here's my challenge to you this week. I want you to reconcile with someone who has wronged you. Um, if we're actually going to walk in the ways of Jesus, uh, some of, like, I'm just going to be honest, some of you in this room have problems with each other. And Jesus is, uh, what Jesus is asking you to do is to reconcile with each other is to look at the, the debt that's been canceled for you and to really step towards one another in love. And maybe this means instead of avoiding each other in the room, you need to go have a conversation. You need to talk to the person that you're irritated with and take them out to coffee and just talk about it. Maybe it's a family member that you need to reconcile with or whatever. But whoever Jesus has put on your mind, uh, I want you to reconcile with that person. The second thing that I want you to do is I want you to commit every day this week to praying blessing over somebody who has wronged you. 
And so somebody, whoever that is, that you kind of like come to mind, like I want you to, as part of your routine when you spend time with the Lord, I want, it doesn't have to be long, but I want you to start praying blessing over that person, that God would just bless them, help them flourish, and then maybe you might be a part of that blessing and help them flourish. All right, and here's the, the, here's the last thing that I feel like I have to say. Nine out of ten times, uh, forgiveness means reconciliation, but forgiveness does not always mean reconciliation. This side of heaven, before Jesus ushers in his kingdom in full, sometimes some of you have just been hurt so bad, and some of you are like in deep pain, some of you have experienced abuse, some of you have experienced all sorts of different things. And Jesus isn't always asking you to reconcile, but he is asking you to forgive. And even if you don't feel it right now, he's saying, hey, commit to the process with me. Spend time with me. Let's work on that. Let's find some other mature followers of Jesus. Let's work on that. But nine out of ten times, most of the time, we need to reconcile. Because when we reconcile and we live this type of life within the family of God, we actually show the world what this whole thing was intended to be in the first place. Amen? All right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to lead us in a time of prayer. Um, and I just want to, uh, i got no pad in the background, so it's going to be quiet in here, and that's okay. But um, I just want to give you probably 30 seconds, and I just want you to bring, like, whoever that name was that God brought to mind for you, who the Spirit put, I just want you to just look at the name see how Jesus is speaking you, speaking to you in that, and then I just want you to have a little conversation with Jesus um, about your honest feelings towards that person, and I just want you to take like 30 minutes, 30 minutes, we're going to be here a long time, I just want you to take, I want you to take 30 seconds, and I just want you to bring that person uh, into the presence of the Lord with you, and then listen to what the Lord has to say, so I'm going to give you guys about 30 seconds, and we'll pray out. Now I want you to take uh, the next 20 to 30 seconds, and I just want you to reflect on the ways that God has forgiven you in your life, the way that he's been with you in the mess and, uh, yeah, the pile of garbage that you, you have created and how the Lord has been gracious to you in that. Jesus, we are so grateful, God, for how gracious you are to us. God, for every moment that we need forgiveness, forgiveness is available. And uh, God, I'm so thankful that you don't just tolerate me. God, I'm thankful that you don't just tolerate us. God, I'm thankful that while we were your enemies, 
Christ, you came and died for us. Um, Lord, because you, you love us deeply, God, and you want us to be in union with you. And so, Lord, I pray that we would just walk out of this room filled with gratefulness at the mercy and grace that you've given us. God, you've been so good. And Lord, uh, I pray that as we reflect on that, Lord, as we sing about it, Lord, I pray that we would not sing about something that we'd be unwilling to give to others. And so, Lord, I pray that for the small, petty things that we, un- that we don't forgive people for, we treat them different. And Lord, honestly, for the big things that are just really hard that we're needing to work through, God, I pray that you would help us to make a decision. Lord, empower us to not hold other people's sins over their head because you don't do that to us. And God, I pray that you would help us through the process of healing, God, with you and with other mature believers. Lord, we want to live a life that is winsome for this world. We want to be a family that is messy, yes, but quick to forgive, that's slow to anger and abounding in love. God, we can't be that people without you. We want to be a witness to the city. Um, God, we want this family to be unified and close and not divided. Heal the broken parts of us. God, we want to give you praise. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you.